It's the ABC's High School Teachers Really Need to Know, Season 2, Episode 9, Infuse Inquiry into the Classroom. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe or buy the books on Amazon.com. Were you sitting there thinking, man, I really hate that title. It's You would be right. It, it sounds like a terrible episode for a podcast episode or any chapter of a book or anything like that. Infuse inquiry into the classroom. Wow, what a title. But I can promise you this. That title, though a mouthful, is absolutely capable of transforming your entire classroom, your entire approach to how you uh, you just, just see the learning process. And and if you think about it, think about, imagine you're talking to your own kid or some of the kids in your classroom, you ask them this question, how was your day? What are you going to get? Think about, how was your day? What are they going to say? Fine, good, bad. You're going to get some direct, non-descriptive response that doesn't allow you to learn very much or them to be able to explore or learn themselves. And so that kind of question is a closed question, of course. And if you were to transform that question into something like, tell me a little bit about your day or what happened in your day to day? What did you learn today? Those kinds of questions are certainly open-ended questions. And you may be thinking right now, you're like, all right, Matt, so you're going to talk about inquiry-based approaches, and that is a buzzword in education. We get tired of it. We've heard it before. <clears throat> and, and and maybe you have. And, and maybe there's some of you out there who have never heard of inquiry-based approaches. But I will tell you this as someone who really relies on inquiry-based approaches in so many ways, I, I can't even begin to describe the, the nature that that has taken, how my classroom has changed because over the years, because just from using inquiry. And of course, inquiry-based approaches rely on just that, open-ended questions, open-ended inquiry in order to guide the learning process. And it just, it, it is so special because to me, when you design a class around questions that need to be explored, one, the teacher is more apt to allow and build in that that time to allow kids to explore an idea or, an, or a concept and develop skills. But number two, I think it generates kids that are just much more curious because, again, if there's a question, they're more likely to want to answer that than just feeding them information, spoon feeding them, or asking them closed-ended questions. I, I really would encourage you to think about that just, just right off the top as we get going in this episode. And 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 the other thing, too, that I just wanted to, to really begin with is by telling you this. You know, you know that I rely so much, I talk about it all the time, on essential questions, main ideas, so to speak. And... These are the main ideas that guide my classroom, guide a unit that I'm teaching in, whatever may be the case. There's always going to be main ideas. Main ideas is how I describe essential questions when I'm going through a unit. And and kids, they are more to more able to connect with the concept of main idea than to use something like essential questions. But essentially, they understand that these are the things that 
this unit's about. A lot of you out there, when I talk about essential questions, go go right back to standards, and and that's fine. They're comparable, and I think the standards are based on essential questions. But I think at the same time, it's important to realize that essential questions are these god beams, these these. These, these foundational principles that no matter what happens in this unit, these are the non-negotiables, as I always say. These are the things that will be mastered by every student in my room. And, and so a lot of times when we talk about essential questions or standards or anything like that, whatever words you want to use, we sort of think of them as, as the ceiling, uh, meaning this is where we've got to get to. This is as high as our kids can go or need to go. And that's really a better way to say it. We, we look at standards and essential questions as this is where they got to go. This is, this is as high a level as they have to reach in order to be successful in my classroom. And, and so I, I really reject that kind of thinking. And it, because not only does I, do I, do I think that it uh, is counterproductive from the standpoint of creating this classroom environment where where kids can maximize their potential and develop skills at their own individual level. But I also think it doesn't really make sense in how you model a classroom. And I know I sound like I'm talking a lot of theory, but but let me just say this. I think instead, you know, I used the word foundation a minute ago. I think essential questions and main ideas, uh, they have to be the foundation. They have to be the starting points for what our kids must achieve in the classroom. And then at that point, they're allowed to explore relative to their own ability or at, uh, where they are at this point in the learning for them on that particular content. So instead, I would encourage you to throw the house upside down and and instead of making the 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 main ideas of your units, the ceiling, make them the floor, make them the foundation of your house. And, and instead, once they master those must-haves, those non-negotiables, I would encourage you to set up a classroom and inspire kids and 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 really make it possible for them to take the learning, own the learning, apply the learning, and go as far as they possibly can. And you go, well, all right, Matt, well, how do you do that? Well, the answer to that question is questions. And what I mean by that is inquiry-based approaches. I believe you guide learning, whether you use project-based learning or problem-based learning or some combination, which is what most people do. You have to use inquiry-based approaches. You have to make sure you're asking kids, you're challenging kids to answer questions. And again, like I said, as I started the episode, the more that you challenge kids with questions, the challenge, the challenge in to, to explain things, the challenge to use skills, to apply information, you begin to, one, see them take it more and take it further because, one, it's individualistic because if the essential question, the main idea is the foundation, then they're able to take it and run. And, and, and secondly, it makes it possible for you as the educator, as the facilitator of this process to see what they really know. So I, I want you to kind of digest that and go back and replay this this first half if, if, if the theory 
sort of need you need to wrap your mind around it, chew on it a little bit longer. Please, I would encourage you to do so because that's that's the fundamental idea. So, so what does that actually look like in practice? And and first of all, I want to tell you, yes, I I, I do mostly science, but I want you to understand that this is not something that you can use only in science. It's it's anything because inquiry based approaches again encourage exploration. You can encourage exploration and should encourage exploration, questions, those kinds of things in every single subject. Challenge them. What would a sentence look like with um, three adjectives in it? What would have happened if Adolf Hitler uh, was able to, you know, successfully make further inroads into Africa? How would how the Allies have responded? What would have happened if, uh, you know, and it goes on and on and on, and I could go on with examples, but I want you to understand that you can enrich your whole learning experience by utilizing inquiries, inquiry-based learning. And, and the reason it's so important is because I think in a world where we, are, we feel as teachers so strapped to standards and we feel like we're on a racetrack, right? Most of us anyway, meaning we have to cover this unit and then cover this unit because we, we're with them with this in this limited window. So how do you instill, how do you build this culture of exploration when you're limited or at least you feel so limited by time. So in order to sort of counterbalance that, you should always be asking questions because in the end, it, it helps you stay regimented on that idea and doesn't allow you to move away from this notion that kids have to explore in order to own and apply learning. You can't do that for them. You can't be curious for them. You can't spoon feed them every single thing and expect them to be motivated by learning. And so it's about balance, really. And and so adding inquiry-based approaches, infusing inquiry-based approaches into your classroom, uh, slowly but surely, if if that's what it takes, you know, I always say one one unit at a time, one student at a time, one assessment at a time. Slowly begin infusing it and seeing how it changes the culture in your classroom, changes how well they're grasping information because they're being forced to apply it, answer questions about it. I, I'm just obviously a firm believer that you have to ask those open-ended questions in order to get them to explore. And... You know, a good good example in science that I use all the time. Now, you know that I teach biology a good portion of my day. And, and so, yes, I could take diseases and go through them one by one. But instead, I think if you, you change that approach and you go, all right, well, uh, what is a disease? What is a disease? Describe a disease. And, and taking that approach and then allowing kids to explain it, I actually think that in the long run, your, your kids have a deeper understanding, but also they're able to take this foundational idea, what is disease, and, and then take it further. And they, they, they naturally are curious about learning other types of diseases in addition to the ones that maybe you're spotlighting and highlighting and those kinds of things. And, and so that's just another example. And, I, and again, I can go on and on. I know I said that a minute ago, but I can because what happens is 
again, you enrich, you enrich, you enrich, and then all of a sudden your kids, as part of that culture of learning and exploration that you're establishing in, in your classroom with all these other strategies that we've talked about, all of a sudden your kids are better prepared uh, and, 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 and just just more knowledgeable and resourceful uh, as a result of inquiry-based approaches. And, and look, I know this may not be the most stimulating topic ever, uh, you know, for you in your life, it's, but, but I cannot tell you enough at how important and transformative that it can be. And again, it's inquiry is best used. It's not just a buzzword in education telling you to blow up your your entire process. It is best used when it is used as an enriching tool to explore or as an opportunity for kids to become empowered and then own the material, own the content that you're trying to drive and facilitate uh, in your own classroom. It's just such a huge miss for teachers when they don't do this. And, and it's not something that's only for advanced classes either. And, and that's, that's the other thing I wanted to say to you, because if, if anything, I actually think it's the other way because students who are in your college prep or quote unquote regular classes, whatever you want to say, I'm, I'm not much of a believer in this notion that they're advanced kids and not advanced kids and all that. Again, particularly in classrooms where you're individualizing your standardized process and you're allowing kids to explore then they can go as far as they they can, right? If in in those kinds of opportunities that set up those kinds of classrooms. So anyway, uh, and and I could go on forever ab- about that. I, I think the honors whole notion of an honors class is is an old, tired, and honestly n- dichotomous tool that isn't supported by academic research. And and so again, I, I think it comes down to how you set up your class. I, I think an honors class uh, should be an honors class for, for every kid. Uh, and, and more important than a quote unquote honors class is that a class is individualized for each kid. So every experience is different. And again, how do you do that? Well, again, back to the inquiry-based approaches. Ask those tough questions. Ask them to demonstrate skills. Ask them to apply information to the real world. Don't sit there and just give them note after note after note and not challenge them to use it or explain to you why it's important or be able to use it to solve some problem. And again, you can do that literally in every single subject. You just have to kind of relinquish some of that control that we just seem to be so addicted to uh, as as educators a lot of times and and we have to let some of that go. And and it's amazing it's it's really interesting so in in one of my chemistry labs that I that I teach and and I got this you've probably seen this on the internet but if you teach science or chemistry, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I do this blank thermometer lab where they have to tell me the temperature of a a liquid that is an unknown liquid, and you go into the classroom and 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 they're they're looking for a thermometer. And of course, I give them a thermometer, but it's got no numbers on it. So they have to figure out how to calibrate this tool and figure out. And of course, eventually, they figure out to 
you know, go and get some ice water and, you know, take a temperature reading, maybe use a thermostat to essentially build a scale on this blank thermometer. And of course, the whole lab doesn't have a procedure. It just has a goal. It has a question, so to speak. And that is, what is the temperature of this water or this liquid or whatever we're, we're testing? And so that's an example. There is no procedure. There's just all of this learning that is happening here. And so ultimately, they're picking up skills. And if you're in the world of science, then you understand you're, you're picking up knowledge of temperature scales because you may ask them to convert that to multiple temperature scales. They're also understanding how to use lab equipment. The list goes on and on and on. And so it hits a lot of quote unquote standards. And, and to them, all they're doing is answering a question. They don't even feel like they're they're hitting standards. They're just learning. And, and I think that that is a great example uh, of, of not only just how my classes are structured, no matter what I'm teaching, whether that be in engineering or whether that be a variety of the other sciences that I teach, but it also indicates uh, and illustrates how you use inquiry. Yes, you still have to drive content. Yes, you still have to explain how an atom is structured. Yes, you still have to explain the effects the Industrial Revolution had on 19th century, or excuse me, 20th century America, and, and so forth and so forth. You still have to explain those things. But once you lay that information out, you have to let them use it, let them apply it, and have them answer questions that are open-ended to immerse them in the content, allows them to use it, motivates them to become just just knowledgeable about it, whether even in sometimes whether they, they know it or not, right? But see it it just transforms it. And if and if this is something that you this strategy is something that you use consistently, it's amazing how much you'll just see this 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 new culture of learning and just curiosity kind of emerge. So I would challenge you, and, and look, again, you can start tomorrow in your classroom. You can start tomorrow. Again, don't, don't blow up your process. Just slowly start integrating, infusing inquiry-based approaches. I'm telling you, it will absolutely just, it, it's going to blow your mind. I'm that confident. And, and if you happen to be an exception to the rule and it doesn't change something, I want you to email me. Because I'm telling you, it, it, it's just, it's it's amazing. And then all of a sudden, as kids are given questions by you, they'll start having their own questions. They'll answer each other's questions. It's about learning. It's about making sure that we're focused on the right things, asking the right questions, not focused on the wrong thing, and not asking any of the questions that are, you know, not helping kids actually learn. And so I just think it's a whole mindset change. And I challenge you to do that. I would challenge you to do that tomorrow. Well, that is it. I hope you had a great uh, week this past week. Hope you have a great week ahead of you. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe or buy the books on Amazon.com. We'll see you next week.